0: it was going to happen. I thought the Cowboys were going to Cowboy and they were close. Eh, not score wise, but kicker Brett Maurer, sort of Cowboyed, missing four extra point attempts, setting a record. But Dallas was a far better team. 31-14 win over Tampa Bay tonight in the final wild card game of the wild card weekend. Even though it's a Monday, we'll still look Call it the wild card weekend. I had picked the Cowboys to win. I thought they were a better team. I think they got so much talent, but they seem to not put it together in the playoffs. They did at least in the first round. We'll see what happens moving forward. But Cowboys playoffs scares everybody, especially when you're betting or picking winners or, you know, making bravado statements towards your friends. It gets scary. It gets scary with the Cowboys in the playoffs because you never, ever, ever know what's going to happen with them. And although the Cowboys didn't Cowboy, the Chargers, sure enough, Chargered. The Chargers Chargered. Yet again. I chose LA, but said on this very podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville wins. They're the second hottest team in the NFL, right behind the Cincinnati Bengals. And sure enough, the Jags win. And Trevor Lawrence threw three interceptions, I believe, in the first quarter. I know they were early. Los Angeles had a 27-0 halftime lead. And they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-30. Wow. The Jags outscored the Chargers 24-3 in the second half. That will always win you games and always make you lose games if you're on the other end of that. But what an exciting wild card weekend at least with those two games not all of them were super crazy exciting 49ers beat the seahawks 41 23 i had picked the 49ers so at this point i'm two and one with the 49ers and cowboys winning chargers losing this game was way closer than i thought the buffalo bills beat the miami dolphins 34 31 but the dolphins have been a strong team for most of the season especially in the beginning and the bills you know they're the bills so now i'm three and one with the bills winning The Giants beat the Vikings 31-24. I was super happy about this. You know, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. That's NFC North. Never really a huge Minnesota Vikings fan and don't want them to win. And the Giants knock them out. I did pick the Vikings because they do have a good team. And you cannot blame this one on Kirk Cousins. I'm just saying it wasn't him. So that gets me at 3-2, and and I end the wild card weekend at 4-2 with the Cincinnati Bengals defeating the Baltimore Ravens. That defense of the Bengals came through so many times, and if that continues to happen, my pick of the 49ers and the Bengals in the Super Bowl with the Bengals winning could definitely, could definitely happen. So this sets up these divisional round matchups. We have the AFC The Jacksonville Jags at the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go Chiefs. It's hard to pick against the Chiefs. Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. This game should give us all the fireworks, all the drama, all the amazingness that we want. I don't know why I'm so strong with the Cincinnati Bengals. I do think they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. And when you're the hottest team in the NFL at the end of the season... You're gelling. You get into the playoffs. It is hard to beat you. I know the Bills are amazing, but so are the Bengals, and I'm going Bengals. NFC Giants at the Eagles. I think Eagles get this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I just think the Eagles are going to win. Dallas at San Francisco. San Francisco's defense is so real, so good. They're on their third string quarterback, Brock Purdy. But he's been doing his thing. He's been playing good football to help them win games. I'm going San Francisco. So that means I think the AFC championship game is going to be the Chiefs and the Bengals, which it was last year. That should be a good game. And then the Eagles and San Francisco and the NFC. And that's what I've wanted to see pretty much since like week four. As we were watching these teams develop. There's the NFL picks, man. I love some playoff football. How can you not? Just how can you not love playoff football? I have said I a few times, just in case you don't know. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Don't know where you're listening to this one, but you can catch episodes, all episodes of this show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website www.rss.com backslash Twitter, backslash podcasts, that's with an S, that's plural, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Also check us out on the socials, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. If you want to check out the personal Facebook, it's my name, Brandon Lachance, looks like L.A. Chance, and the Twitter is Lachance Writer. That's L.A. Chance Writer on Twitter. Review us, like us, star us, comments, all those good things. Help us out, cruise through the rankings, and be more visible because we want to get Edge of Your Seat Podcast out there as much as possible. If you have questions, suggestions, want to be a good guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, want to sponsor with us at Edge of Your Seat Podcast, send an email, and it's easy, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, shout out to Brian Cavelli, the mastermind behind the intro and outro beat for this very show. And this show is brought to you by First State Bank. They have 20 locations all over Illinois. Reach out. They can help you with all of your banking needs. This is episode 248. We have two guests on the show representing the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. The Pistol Shrimp are playing in Peru at Veterans Memorial Park. went to a a bunch of games the last couple years. It's an awesome time. Great to have that level of baseball in our area. They are a member of the Prospect League. It's a collegiate summer league, and they get all kinds of talent. And through our guests, you will understand the level of talent. We have LaSalle, Peru grad Brandon Schroeder. We talked to him before this past season, before the summer, as he was starting an internship. Then we spoke to LP grad Lucas Burris after the Pistol Shrimp season, but during the regular season for football, high school style, as him and I both work for Starved Rock Media. I call games on 99.3 WAJK for the Princeton Tigers. And he calls games for Hall, the Hall Red Devils, on 96.5 The Wolf. And, of course, the Mother Station 103.9 WLPO has Jeremy Aiken and Rick Sipovic doing the Cavalier games. Make sure this next football season or even postseason baseball this spring, we are all about it. We are covering games all over Illinois. So we had a lot of great things to talk about with Brandon, with Lucas The Pistol Shrimp went 38-21 and in the regular season, made it to the playoffs. I was at their last playoff game. They had a 3-0 lead. Maybe it was a 4-0 lead. And then the other squad came back and ended up taking the game. But Brandon, Lucas, very talented guys. Love their sports. We were honored to have them as guests on Edge of URC Podcast. Much appreciation to them for joining us. And they drop a lot of knowledge, not only about the Pistol Shrimp, high school football, and what they're doing. Brandon, at the time, was a senior at Eastern Illinois and was doing an internship with the baseball team. So, internship with the baseball team. Then goes the summer with the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. And like I said, Lucas, a man of many hats, including the voice of the Pistol Shrimp. Can't believe I have not mentioned that yet. For the last two years, he has been calling, pa broadcasting everything Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. We will get to them in just a second, but real quick, real quick, real quick. The Bulls beat the Golden State Warriors on Sunday, 132 to 118. That was January 15th. Today is Monday, January 16th. It's late, so this show might not come out until Tuesday morning. A lot of stuff going on, an action packed game that we had to watch. You can't have a podcast that's eh, 88% sports. And not watch playoff games, especially football style. But the Bulls beat Golden State on Sunday for the first time since 2017. That sounds absolutely craziness. But if you think of the run that Golden State's been on and the, I'm not going to say wishy-washy teams that Chicago has put together, but before the last two years, and even this year, they're not performing as well as we want to, except certain games. It is the roller coaster bulls. They're all over the place. They have the talent to do whatever they want to. But, you know, sometimes they struggle. I guess it makes sense that, you know, the Warriors have been a top three team in the NBA for just about every year for the last, I don't know, 10 years, it seems. Maybe even more. So, I get it. It just seems so nuts. It is 2023 now. And they have not beat this team since 2017. Yikes. And they did it with no DeMar DeRozan. Nikola Vucevic, 43 points, 13 rebounds, and 4 assists. 1 point, he was 4-4 four, four from 3, and was just on fire. And he had some pretty cool shoes on. Yes, yes he did. Zach Levine played his part. 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 other guys were in double figures. Kobe White had 15. Ayo Dasumu had 12. Alex Caruso had 12. And Pat Williams had ten. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high-interest credit card? Or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo. On the first state bank website using your phone tablet or pc it won't impact your credit score to apply there are no fees no penalties and payments you can afford you'll need a first state bank checking account but no worries you can apply for one of those online too check out fsb Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillow loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Before we get to our guest, we got to go through some scores, stats, accomplishments. We are a little behind. Had a uh, crazy, crazy, crazy December, holidays, so much family, so much awesomeness. I am also a official for volleyball and basketball in the area. And throughout December and beginning January, I have been on the road or at a game or on the road to get to a game and then on the road to get home pretty much Monday through Saturday. But that will change. We're putting more dedication into this podcast, getting shows out. So many amazing conversations and so many more to be had. And we got to know what our area is doing. So here we go. We're going to start from where we left off Thursday, December 8th. We're going to catch up to the 15th, and every podcast moving forward will move in two, three days until we get caught up. Basketball season is a marathon, and want to get caught up with that before we start the playoffs, that's what we'll do. And wrestling, and bowling, and everything else amazing going on in the, not only the Illinois Valley, as we said where we range out to last episode, we are an hour north, south, east, west from Mendota. So we span to central, we span to northern, of course the Illinois Valley, we are all over the great state of Illinois. And yes, I say great. I know, we pick on Illinois, it's cold, it's just a farm state for the most part outside of Chicago, but this is home, we love it, we keep coming back, we don't leave, and if we do leave, we come back, you know how it is, it's home, it's home, that's just what we do, Illinois baby. So Thursday, December 8th, we're gonna start with bowling. Girls of bowling at the Analdura Invite, which is in Kiwani. There were six teams, and it actually happened December 3rd. But Saint Bede won. Saint Bede won 4,804. Kiwani was second with 4744, and Mendota was fifth with a 4073. For St. Bede, Aubrey Accunches had an 11.51. Maddie Fabish had a 10.20. That's actually my birthday, 10.20, October 20th. I like that. Kiwani Maya Morocha, a 10.45. She is actually one of our amazing guests as she made it to state in golf. And also from Kiwani, Christina Armstrong had a 9.77. For Mendota, Lauren Holland in an 897 and Isabel Escatel in 874. Moving on to girls' hoops from Thursday, December 8th. Indian Creek beat IMSA 26 21. For Indian Creek, Isabel Turner had 17 points and 22 rebounds. Insane. And Indian Creek finished with only three girls, two had fouled out, and they didn't have anybody else suited. Wow, that's insane. Borough Valley defeated Kiwani 47-40. For Borough Valley, Katie Salisbury had 18 points. Elena Wasleski had 12 rebounds. El Paso Gridley defeated Ridgeview 59-31. For EPG, Maddie Earhart, 15 points. She hit five threes. That's all her points. Five threes. Just a sniper. Abriel Smith had 14. Miley Earhart had 11 points, seven rebounds. And Kalen Randall, 10 rebounds, 8.7 blocks. That's quite a stat line. And Princeton beat Mendota 56-12. To the wrestling mat, there was a triangular between Princeton, they were the host, Rochelle and Woodstock. Rochelle defeated Plano 47-30. to For Plano, the wins, Norbert Goda won at 138. Gio Diaz at 160. At 195, Richie McCurry then Plano takes on Woodstock and they go one and one in the triangular as they defeat Woodstock 42 to 32. Wins for the Reapers at 106 Shane Downs at 120 Marcos Garvin 138 Norbert Gota 152 Caden Roning at 160 Gio Diaz 195 Richie and McCurry at 220 Elias Pure. And 285 Alex Diaz. Also on the mats, Oregon defeated Rock Ridge 54 15. Oregon recorded pinfalls at 145 from Luke Halverson, Grant Stender at 152, Gabe Eckert at the 182 weight class, Josh Crandall at 220, and Evan Flattery 285. Let's go to the pool. The Flu and LP Christmas concerts. Kept the swimmers out of the pool, but they still swam against Sterling. Sterling defeated LP 95-46. to In the 200-yard medley relay, Sterling won. Skylar Jolima, Connor Fume, Peter Garland, and Connor Porter recorded a 1 minute 50.58. In the 200-yard freestyle, Sterling won again. Peter Garland, 2 minutes 1.39 seconds. 200-yard intermediate. Connor Porter from Sterling, 2 minutes 15.48 seconds swim. 50 yard freestyle, Skylar Jolima from Sterling, 24.37 seconds. 100 yard butterfly, Sterling's Connor Pham, 1 minute 0.33 seconds. 100 yard freestyle, Jolima from Sterling, 52.69 seconds. 500 yard free, Porter from Sterling, 5 minutes 24.12 seconds. 200-yard freestyle relay. Sterling won with Garland, Pham, Jolima, Porter, 1 minute, 39.06 seconds. LP got a win at the 100-yard backstroke from Bo Weedle with 1 minute, 5.20 seconds. The 100-yard breaststroke, Evan Scott from Sterling, 1 minute, 11.79 seconds. For a 100-yard free relay, LP won kept their second victory Brian Lowry, Jonathan New, Griffin Sharp, and Andrew Grit at 3 minutes, 57.49 seconds. Moving on to basketball, we had the Komoni Classic going on. Princeton won it all for the second straight year, but here are some scores and stats. As we went through the Komoni Classic, one of my favorite tournaments. Always got to be documented because they're all historic. Mendota, 65. St. Bede, 58. Mendota was led by Rafa Romero. 21 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals. Just another day of work for Rafa. Kale Strauss had 16 points. Isaiah Nanez, 14 points, 7 rebounds. St. Bede was led by Isaiah Hart's 20. Callan Hanneberg's 13. And Connor Brown had 12. Hall defeated Borough Valley, 60-48. to 48. For Hall, Makrasetich, 31 points. 12 rebounds for a nice double-dub, while Burrow Valley had Cooper Balance fan, 16 points, Landon Holsing, 10 points, 9 rebounds. Stillman Valley defeated Fieldcrest 60-57 in a nail-biter. For Fieldcrest, Brady Russman, 18 points, Landon Moudreau, 13 points, 8 rebounds, and Jordan Hayden, 11 points. Moving on to Friday, December 9th, starting on the wrestling mats, Kiwani beat Mendota 72 to 12. The falls for Kiwani Esmeralda Martinez at 113. Landra Mason at 132. At 138 was Waylon Lambert. 152 Joey Janney. 170 Yael Gonzalez Terrado, And at 195 Nate Lockett. Mendota pin falls at 145 Devin Hamrick. And at 285 Michael Rios. Boys basketball back to the Kimoni Classic, the second to last day of the tournament. LaSalle Prue beat Rock Falls 60-48. For the Cavaliers, Josh Seneca, 27 points, 9 rebounds, and Seth Adams had 14 points. Princeton beat Marquette 74-50, to 50 behind Grady Thompson's 26 points, and Tegan Davis had a double-double of 22 points and 10 rebounds. For Marquette, Tommy Durden, 12 points and 3 steals. Pontiac defeated Putnam County, 78-58. For PC, Jackson McDonald had 20 points and 7 rebounds. Austin Mattingly, 16 points. And Wyatt Grimshaw, 10 points. Outside of the Comoni Classic, Earlville defeated Indian Creek, 51-25. For Earlville, Adam Waite had 24 points. Ryan Browder, 9 points, 15 rebounds. Yee! 15 rebounds. That's a Dennis Rodman-like day. Hinkley Big Rock beat Amboy 49-12. For Amboy, Kyler McNich had 6 points. El Paso Gridley defeated Ridgeview 70-51. For EPG, Jonah Funk had 26 points and 12 rebounds for a dub-dub. Matt Ramer had 15 points. EPG won a 19-3 run in the last 5 minutes in the second quarter. Took a 37-18 halftime lead. It's the 300th win for EPG since consolidation, since the teams came together, El Paso and then Gridley, two different towns. EPG is 301.97 in the last 19 seasons. Lamoille beat Depew 51.46 in the first battle of the brothers, as Chance Bloomhurst is coaching at Lamoille and his brother. His younger brother, Trey Bloomhurst is coaching at Depew. For Lamoille, Eli Keing, 25 points, 16 rebounds, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. Serena defeated Newark 67-41. For Serena, Braxton Hurt had 19 points, 5 rebounds. Richie Amar, 18.7 rebounds. Hunter Stanton, 13 points, 5 rebounds. Girls Basketball LP defeated Morris. 54 to 22. Genoa Kingston knocked off Oregon 44 to 27. For GK Ellie Pugel, 11 points. Bryce Boylan, 10 points. For Oregon, Caitlin Bowers had 12. Saturday, December 10th, we're going bowling. Cavalier Classic style. Always one of my favorite events to cover. Was not there this year, but we got all we need right here. Boys bowling LP won their own classic with a 6,105. Mendota was fourth at 53.78. Dixon, fifth, 53.51. Oregon, sixth, 52.28. With a 50 45, Rochelle was seventh. 49.70 had Streeter at eighth. St. Bede came in ninth with a 49.31. Ottawa eleventh with a forty-five sixty-six, and with a forty-one oh two, Hall was twelfth individually. Streeters Brady Grabowski won the six-game classic. Yeah, there's six games. They bowl three, have a lunch, and then bowl three more. That is a lot of bowling. My arms hurt just thinking about it. But Grabowski won with a thirteen eighty. LP took second and third, both with thirteen Ethan Pico was second, and David Lawrence was third, both representing the Cavaliers. Dixon came in sixth, Clark Bonewell with a 12.43. Paxton Bauer of Mendota was seventh with a 12.29. Chance Hank of LP was eighth with a 12.24, and Aaron Siebert from LP was tenth with a 12.15. Moving to the girls' side, LP won on the girls' side also. They swept The classic as the Lady Cavaliers had a 49-67 for the win. St. Bede was 3rd with a 47-14. Oregon 4th with a 43-96. Rochelle was 6th with a 41-31. Coming in 7th was Hall with a 37-46. With a 35-17, Mendota took 8th. Streeter was ninth with a 34-58. And Ottawa was 10th with a 33-37. Individually, St. Beads Aubrey Acunches 1262, won it all. Congratulations to Aubrey and, of course, congratulations to Brady as well. Cavalier Classic is never easy to win. Taking second, LP's Olivia Weber with an 1141. Third was Sarah Beyer from Hall, 1109. Fourth was Christine Ritchie from LP with a 1089. Rochelle's Cassidy Vincent was fifth with a 1082. LP's Mackenzie Hamilton was 7th with a 10.59. Ava Wright representing Oregon was 9th with a 10.03. And St. Bede's Maddie Fabish was 10th with a 9.99. Moving back to the hardwood. Girls basketball. EPG defeated Pontiac. 61-58. For EPG. Kaylee Randall. 21 points. 13 rebounds. A rebounding machine this Kaylee Randall is. Isabel Vegas, 14 points. Miley Earhart, 13. For Pontiac, Bailey Mashing had 30 points and 10 rebounds. She was everything Pontiac. Princeton, 46. Morris, 25. Morris, led by Mariah Mayberry, 9 points, 4 rebounds. The Pearl City Tournament, Oregon defeated East Dubuque, 32-23. And then Oregon lost to Lena Winslow, 47-23. The final day of the Kimoni Classic is upon us. The 11th place game, St. Bede was victorious over Burrow Valley, 70-58. For the Bruins, Isaiah Hart, 28 points. John Brady, 16 points, 8 rebounds. And Callan Huneberg, 14 points, 5 assists. Burrow Valley, Elijah Andrus, 14 points. And Cooper Ballenstein, 11 points. The ninth place game, Mendota defeated Hall 59 42. Rafa Ramiro 19.7 rebounds, Kale Strauss 12 points. For Hall, Makrasetich 22 points, 6 rebounds, 5 steals. Fieldcrest was victorious in the seventh place game over Rock Falls. For Fieldcrest, Brady Russman 23 points, 13 rebounds, and 4 assists, while Connor Reichman had 15 points and Landon Mudro 11 points and 7 rebounds. LaSalle Peru lost the fifth place game to Stillman Valley, 43-36. Seth Adams had nine points, and Josh Seneca had eight points and ten rebounds for the Cavaliers. Seth Adams and Josh Seneca are names we are going to say many, many, many times over because they are dominant for the Cavaliers. Third place game, Putnam County squeaks past Marquette, 47-45. For the Panthers, Jackson McDonald, 16 points, seven rebounds, and Austin Mattingly 13.7 rebounds. For Marquette Griffin Walker 10 points, Alex Graham 19 points and nine rebounds, 1.1 rebound, shy of a double double. And in the championship, Princeton victorious, 62-57 over Pontiac. Tegan Davis had 20 points, 10 rebounds, and four steals for Princeton, while Grady Thompson added 19 points and four rebounds. Kurt Lawson, 10 points, and Noah Laporte, 10 points, 5 rebounds. The Kimoni Classic All Tournament Team. Grady Thompson from Princeton was the MVP. Congrats to Grady. We're gonna reach out to him. He's been tearing it up this basketball season. Mac Rosetich from Hall, of course, the friend of, of Seat podcast, is just a stud athlete. Josh Seneca from LaSalle proved. seen him play. He's a monster. Pontiac's Henry Brummel, Stillman Valley, Owen Dunseth, Putnam County, Jackson McDonald. Also a very dynamic, great player. He kind of throws you off because he's tall, so you think he's in the low post, in the paint, but he can do a little bit of everything. Pontiac, Riley Weber, Princeton, Tegan Davis. He is committed to Iowa to play football. Stud athlete, stud, stud, stud. Rock Falls, Gavin Sands, and Marquette's. Griffin Walker, who I've not seen play, but through the stat sheets I've seen, he is amazing. Continuing with games outside of the Kimoni, Indian Creek, 48, Woodland, 42. For IC, Jeff Propes had 16 points. Landon Schrader, 11 points. Kiwani fell to McComb, 58, 45. Jaden Little led Kiwani with 13 points. Brady Clark had 12. El Paso Gridley defeated Delavan. to Jonah Funk had 22 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 blocks for EPG, while Micah Meese had 20 points and 11 rebounds. Almost a triple dub and another double dub. Just a great performance from Funk and Meese. On the wrestling mats, the Jim Boyd Memorial Invite. St. Bede Placers at 126 pounds. Hunter Savage was 5th. Jack Miglarini was 5th at 195. At 220, Ryan Miglarini was 5th. And at 285, Mike Shaw was 5th. At 138, Jordan Coventry made the placing for St. Bede for the 5th 6th place match. But because of his daily match limit, he could not wrestle. The Reaper Classic, hosted by Plano, the 39th annual. That's a lot of years. Almost 40 years of Reaper Classics in Plano. There was 20 teams that competed over two days. Yorkville Christian won it all with a 247.5. Oregon was second with 184. Princeton fifth, 125.5. Sixth was Sandwich at 115. Plano was eighth with a 109.5. Dixon had a 100 even for ninth, Amboy came in 14th with 59, and Samanak was 18th with 25 points. For the Reapers, Elias Pere at 220 pounds was 2nd, going 3-1. Alex Diaz went 3-1 for 2nd. Richie Amakuri went 4-2 for 4th. Gio Diaz was 5th with a 5-1 record, and Norbert Guido at 138 pounds was 6th place. At 3-3. Three three. Monday, December 12th. Boys Basketball. Fieldcrest defeated Dwight. 72-53. For Fieldcrest. Connor Reichman. 19 points. Brady Russman. 15. And Ed Lorton. 12. At the bowling alley. On the lanes. St. Bede. Defeated Ottawa. 28-65. 28-17. And boys action. For St. Bede. Traeger Davis. six forty. Hayden Adam a 5.75. These are three-game series, just in case you don't know how bowling works in duels. For Ottawa, Nelson Brandt, a 6.31, and Will Zanacki, a 5.25. Girls basketball to defeated Indian Creek, 35-30. For Indian Creek, Bethany Odle, 13 points, and Jaden Ness, 9 points. El Paso Gridley defeated Flanagan Cornell Woodland, 50-35. For EPG, Kaylee Randall, 13 points. And Miley Earhart, 10 points. Three girls had eight rebounds. Mindy Steiner, Abriel Smith, and Nichelle Cummings. For Flanagan, Cornell Woodland, Emma Wallace, 14, and Reagan Montello, 13. Burrow Valley lost to Profitstown 47-37. Burrow Valley had two opportunities to tie it at 39-39, but they missed shots with under three minutes to go and then Prophetstown was able to ice the game. For the Storm, Kate Stoller and Taylor Newhoffen had 12 points each. Moving on to December 13th, Boys Basketball, El Paso Gridley defeated Flanagan-Cornell Woodland 60-48. For EPG, Chansei Maxson, 19 points, hit four threes. Micah Meese had 15 points, and Jonah Funk had 10 points, nine rebounds for fcw kessler collins 24 points seth jones 11 points logan ruddy 10 points everybody getting it done marquette defeated indian creek 81 to 41 for indian creek jeff propes had eight landon schroeder had seven Burrow valley defeated amboy 69 to 35 for Burrow valley cooper belinson had 18 points And for Amboy, Wes Wilson, 14, Troy Anderson, 10. Dixon defeated Plano, 57-38. Putnam County beat Samanach, 72-59. For the Panthers, Austin Mattingly, 18 points, 7 rebounds. Jackson McDonald, 19 points. And Orlando Harris, 13 points. On the girls' side, at the Pearl City Tournament, Oregon lost to Orangeville, 46-19. Hadley Lutz had 11 points for Oregon. Outside of the Pearl City Tournament, Princeton defeated St. Bede 47-30, making Princeton 10-0 at that point on the year. Ottawa defeated Rochelle 63-33. Caneland knocked off Plano 74-30. Wrestling. Plano secured nine pins over Chicago Golder College Prep. For the 78-6 victory, Marcos Garcia, Isaac Ulrich, Trevon Guilford, Antoine Guilford, Caden Roning, Luis Belistros, Gio Diaz, and Richie Curry all recorded pins. Wednesday, December 14th, girls basketball. Anawan, 63, Burrow Valley, 30. Anawan was led by Bella Van Opdorps, 15 points. Kaylee Cellos 14 points. Zoe Vance, 10 points. Zoe becoming the first Anawan player to score in double figures off the bench. Anawan had eight threes from four different shooters. Forced close to 30 turnovers. That's quite a defensive statement. For Burrow Valley, Taylor Newhoff in 11 points. Katie Salisbury, 10. Yorkville defeated Caneland, 66-50. For Yorkville, Alex Stewart had 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. Back at the Pearl City Tournament, Ashland Franklin Center defeated Oregon 45-39. AFC was led by Jans, 21 points. Oregon's Headley Lutz had 12 points. Also outside of the tournament, Putnam County defeated Marquette 43-37. Ava Hatton had 21 points, and Grace Succi had 10 points for the Lady Panthers. Girls Bowling. DeKalb defeated Ottawa 2262 to 2193 93 For DeKalb, Caden Royalty had a 575 three-game series, four strikes in a row. Boys Basketball Hinkley Big Rock fell to Pecatonica 78-57. For Hinkley, Ben Hinchke, which is another name we will say a lot, had 15 points. Landon Roop had 15. And Martin Ledbetter had 14. Hall defeated St. Bede 67-58 behind Makrasetich's 44 points. Makrasetich, again, a stud. His name has been said about five times and is going to be said about 15 more as we get to these interviews in just in a minute, right after Thursday, December 15th. Girls Basketball, Ottawa 62, Princeton 31, the first loss for Princeton, moving them to 10-1. and 1. Ottawa at this point was 10-3. and Wabonzi Valley defeated DeKalb 79-39. Also in big news, Sandwich announces it's leaving Interstate 8. They've been in the conference since 1985, joining the Kishwaukee River Conference for the 2023-24 school year. Interstate 8, LaSalle, Peru is in it. Plano's in it. Ottawa, Morris, lots of teams that we cover and talk about, including Sandwich. So we're going to get a different conference here with the Kishwaukee River Conference. And in girls bowling, DeKalb defeated Geneva 1994-1919. to For DeKalb, Caden Royalty, a 593 series and sophomore Paige Lewis made a 5-7 split. I know I couldn't do that. Well, that is all for the high school sports rundown as we are trying to catch up to January 16th. That's where we're at. We're a month behind, but in about two, three podcasts, we'll be right up to where we need to be, which is awesome. But we got to give all these athletes, all these teams, coaches, everybody the props that they deserve for doing what they do. No game, no score, no rebound, anything like that. No split, a 5-7 split. I still can't believe that. It's going to go unnoticed here. We got to give props even if we're a little behind. So we're going to have a couple words from sponsors and we're going to hear our amazing chats with Brandon Schroeder and Lucas Burris. Hope everybody is doing well, recovering from the holidays and everything. I know we're, you know, a couple weeks past, but hey, it's almost like turbulence or jet lag. You never know when it's going to wear off and you're going to be back to normal, but hopefully you're doing good. Cause that's what we want at edge of your Sea podcast for ourselves and for all of you. Well, enjoy the chats. They are amazing. Great dudes that we have on this podcast moving forward. You know, we always have great guests and until then, until next time, until the next episode, peace. The interview with Brandon Schroeder is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town the staff of general manager ski hartman and his associate jason hints pride themselves in being here for you they don't want to sell you one vehicle they want to form a bond a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars trucks and suvs for your friends and family ski has lived in princeton since he was five years old and has been with mendota ford for the last three years He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every single way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. Man, I don't mind Illinois. I've lived here pretty much my entire life. A couple stops outside here and there, Wisconsin, Texas, you know, Some odd reason I come back here, because I love what I do here. But man, this weather can get you down. It is raining. It's been gray for like 7 out of 10 days here. I mean, we had a couple good ones in between gray, and now it's raining. My guest was just saying, you know what? It's raining here too. I'm kind of sick of this. Brandon Schroeder, are you sick of this rain? Yeah, honestly, it sucks because it's raining all over the state. Yeah, it's like Illinois is just one big rain cloud right now yeah well i'm glad we agree that weather sucks like it's bad yeah hopefully the summer is going to be warmer and not as rainy for sure because then we'll be complaining that it's 140 degrees yeah much rather it be that warm than uh raining yeah i guess you're right what's yeah. a couple sun blisters nothing yeah where are you at in illinois uh i'm in charleston at school in eastern illinois Eastern Illinois so you are a cougar I am a senior no they're the Panthers I was trying to think of the nickname oh yeah we're we're the Panthers at first I said cougar and I'm like nah that doesn't sound right that's the Panthers yeah the Panther Paul have you ever been there yeah a time or two (laughs) same I used to go to uh, the state track meet every single year for the News Tribune and other local papers and radio stations and stuff like that. I haven't been down in a couple years. I'll probably make it back, but the Panther pole was always on my stop list. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's it's currently with a Mexican restaurant, and that Mex- Mexican restaurant's pretty good, if I'd have to say so. I actually had
0: it for lunch today. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. If that isn't a little coinky dink. Yeah. What are some other hot spots at Eastern that uh, you frequently visit?
1: I mean, besides, like, the local bars that you obviously go to, I go to Joey's quite a bit. Uh, that's a local burger place. There's a, I mean, there's a couple of small ones in town that similar. That's about it, besides the occasional Mexican restaurant. So I'm
0: guessing you're down there going to college. I mean, I don't think you're in Charleston, Illinois, if you're not going to Eastern Illinois, if you're in your young 20s. No,
1: there's no reason
0: to live here if you're pretty much not going to school here. Right, I got that vibe real fast while I was in that town. So what are you going to school for, my friend? Uh, sport management and business administration. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. reason I have you on the show, after we got you know the background out of the way, is you're a LaSalle Peru alum, got you on Facebook, and I saw you had some really cool things going on, involved in some internships and sticking around the baseball world. And I was like, hey, I gotta have this guy on because I didn't know you had any interest in baseball. So I was like, hey, I gotta have him on. So you're at Eastern Illinois and you're currently in a internship right now through the school, correct? Yes, with the school's baseball team. Awesome. What got you interested in doing this? Because I remember you as a bowler. At LP, yeah. did you ever get into baseball while you were at LP?
1: Uh, no. So I played a little bit like when I was younger. Just wasn't my thing. Uh, and I decided to just not play in high school. When I decided to transfer here from community college, I decided to reach out to the coach and see if I could like work with them or like what I could do. Because I figured long-term I'd want to work in professional sports. I thought baseball would be a good opportunity.
0: Awesome. So then you got invested or involved right away because you've been doing this for a while with the baseball team correct yep about
1: two and a half three years or so okay has baseball been your favorite sport i'd probably say football or baseball is so it's one of the top ones gotcha it's fantastic
0: what are some things you've been doing through the baseball program at eastern as part of your duties you know for your internship
1: uh, I mean, I do some data work, uh, just running some numbers on previous games, like our scoring from last season, what we've done this season as of, like, the past couple weeks, running some of the numbers on the other teams that we're going to be playing, uh, and then just going through film from either games we've played or practices and scrimmages and stuff so we can just get a better understanding what we're doing as a team and what we can improve on. That's largely what it is. Okay. Do you enjoy
0: doing that stuff, being like the – sounds like you're kind of a background stat guy and kind of like a prep the team kind of guy to make them ready for, you know, the next opponent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do just about anything I can to help the guys out, from just like shooting some balls to them when some of the guys aren't traveling, playing catch with them, running some numbers, helping fold jerseys, hang them up, just about anything the guys need. Have you found that you have a pretty strong arm and you
0: should have been on the baseball team? Uh, Absolutely not, no chance. (laughs) Not a chance? No. It's crazy, I had no interest in baseball whatsoever when I was younger. I go to SIU for school, And I got a job with the SIU game staff, and I did a lot with the baseball team. I shagged balls, I washed their laundry for a little bit, I did all kinds of stuff with the baseball team, and I even PA'd their games. I was their public announcer my junior and senior year. So I did all kinds of stuff with them, and watching the game and being around those guys made me appreciate baseball and the talents, the gifts that they have so much, because baseball is probably the most, like, directed talent, like... You can be an athlete and play any sport you want to, but baseball, every single little detail of everything you do is very important.
1: Yeah. I mean, since I've been, I mean, I've played and playing sports my entire life. Honestly, baseball is probably the hardest one I've ever tried to play. So that's why I'm not playing it.
0: <laughs> I understand that, and that's why I never tried.
1: Yeah. So your internship, does that run out when you graduate then? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Like, once I graduate... We still have the season. We have a couple of weeks afterwards, but I'll probably stop by for a couple of the games. Um, Schedule is kind of undetermined, but by the end of May, the school year will be over. The season will be over. I'll move back up to Mendota and then work with the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. All right,
0: before we get to Mendota and the Pistol Shrimp, how have you enjoyed or what are some lasting memories that you're going to have of Eastern and your time as an intern with the baseball
1: program? I would say since it's been a couple of years, I've gotten to travel with the guys and gotten to know probably the graduating classes. So just getting to know them. I'm still friends with a lot of the guys that have graduated. Then I'll talk to one or two of the players that kind of that have been drafted and playing like at the next level when they come back to town and stuff like that. Also, just getting to know them and being able to make more friends, obviously. Like the coaches, they treat me just as well as they treat all their players. I'm just one of the guys, so it's cool. Oh, that sounds awesome, man.
0: Who are a couple of the players that moved on that you were speaking of?
2: Trey
1: Sweeney, he got drafted by the Yankees last year. I knew Will Klein, he got drafted by the... Royals I believe like two years ago I knew him for a little bit but not too substantial I've been like there's been a couple players that came back that I've gotten to know but experienced meeting some of them guys
0: awesome so now you're coming back up to the Illinois Valley have you always lived in Mendota or is that where you're just gonna stay now
1: um so I was actually born in Mendota but I grew up in LaSalle uh but my grandparents live up in Mendota so I spend the summers with them
0: gotcha so you're gonna go stay with the grandparents check out some baseball games and actually work and have an internship and stuff yep how did that come about did illinois valley pistol shrimp reach out to you did you reach out to them and be like hey i want to be part of the program how did you guys get linked together
1: last summer obviously they were in town and i was like this is cool since they were in town i was wondering if they would stay like long term and if they were maybe i could like intern or possibly see what they had because i knew what league they were in and they had interns for other teams applied for a couple of teams in that league. They were one of the teams, set up an interview, and I really liked like what they were planning on doing for the future and for the community, since so obviously I'm a hometown kid. I really wanted to see what they could do for us. They offered me that position, and I took it without thinking about it. That's pretty awesome
0: because, I mean, the Prospect League, they got teams all over the place. So you're pretty fortunate to be in the Illinois Valley where you're, you know, born, raised, you're from, where you call home, and now you're advancing your career right here. Yeah. Were you excited about that? Was that part of the, like, hey, I would really like to be here instead of going anywhere else?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those, like, when you're a kid, you always think about, like, doing something like small town or, like, where you grew up. Or even like Chicago, hypothetical, because it's an in-state thing. I was a junior in college, and then like became somewhat professional-ish sports coming to the area, and it's like, oh, that'd be awesome to finally be able to like do something that if I were like in Bloomington or the Chicago land area, I probably could have done. Uh, so, I'm just taking an opportunity when it's presented, as I know some other LP grads are doing as
0: well. Definitely. I don't know if you want to. Say this or not, but is it a paid internship? Uh, it is paid. There you go. That's all you need. Yep. When you hear internship, you're like, man, am I getting paid for this? When you know you are, that's beautiful. Yeah. Sports and money, hand in hand. Yes. Because we all love sports and we all love money. Might as well make it together, right? Honestly, though. <laughs> for sure. I don't know how I've done it, but I've lived a, a life off of it and never had to play anything, so it's a beautiful thing.
1: That is true. You basically get free seats every game you go to yeah no doubt and some pretty good ones too yeah especially up in the boxes
0: and with your position i mean you got insight to everything that's going on you can have words chats with players coaches and like I said you're one of the guys
1: yeah so do you especially ever especially like i mean some of those group chats you get like i mean you get the information just as fast as all the players so like you know what's happening before the fans do
0: nice so I can just yeah. send you a text message like, hey, what's going on? And you're going to give me all the scoop? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we got to do. Awesome, man. Well, I'm really happy for you. That's fantastic. Like you said, you know, you're from here. To be able to come back here and do something professional and the career path you want to go to, that's got to be fantastic for you. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I don't know about living in Mendota, though. It's all right. I mean, you're aren't you from Mendota? Yeah, that's why I say that. Or, you know where you know all the hot spots. Oh, of course, of course. My apartment is probably one of the main hotspots in Mendota. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I bet, I bet. <laughs> I'm totally kidding, totally kidding. I went to high school there, left for a while, came back. I mean, it's home, so it brings me back somehow.
1: That's how I feel about like Les Alpara. It's like I didn't really expect to come back every year, but no I'm happy about it.
0: For sure, for sure. Are you excited to see some not college baseball, but college baseball? I mean, it's college-ish kids that are, you know, trying to get looked at by recruits and things like that. And it's really good baseball. I went to two games last year. Tons of fun, good environment. Are you excited about
1: that? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see, like, some of the new guys. And, like, with the Pistol Shrimp, they get to play players that are from, like, California and such that I typically wouldn't be able to see. The Pistol Shrimps, they have, like, two or three players that I'm actually friends with on uh, Eastern's baseball team. So, like, I get to know some guys already coming in. Plus, there's some new guys that I would never meet. And then, like, obviously, we're going to play players that I've never met before. I'm just different skill sets. I think it's going to be cool to see.
0: Definitely, and there's a lot of different kinds of baseball. If baseball isn't a sport like, hey, everybody plays the same way. A lot of different kind of styles and way people do things. In that league, the prospect league, there's players from everywhere, so you get to see a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how good we do. We had an all right season last year, so I'm hoping we can pick that up and win the conference, win the vision, never know. No
0: doubt. Nothing is uh, unachievable. Like I said, I knew you from bowling. Do you still bowl? Uh, Occasionally, yeah. Yeah, I remember he was a Cavalier, and I think you were at the bowling alley a lot as I was a manager there for a year. I worked
1: there my senior year of high school while I was bowling and stuff.
0: I think I may have been gone by then.
1: You might have. But, I, I mean, I was there for my freshman year to... I mean, I still go... I was there last time I was back up north, so I'm there quite frequently. Still got to keep the bowling genes alive. Yeah, I'm definitely not as good as I was back in high school, but I'm still, like, one of the best ones out of all my friends that don't bowl collegiately or regularly, I'd
0: like to point out. Yeah, so if you bowl Nate Stubler, it might be a little different? Yeah, he
1: he definitely would beat me, but it's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just have him bowl with the other hand. That's what I do every time we play.
1: Yeah, I mean... Then i probably beat him. All I can say is I have beaten him in basketball one-on-one. You took out Nate
0: Stubler in, on the basketball yeah. court.
1: Yeah, we've argued about it time and time again, but I did beat him. <laughs> did you ever golf against him? No.
0: I'm trying to get into golf. I'm just not that good at it. And just so you know, I know he listens to the show, and once he sees your name and knows you're on, he's going to check it out. So. Oh, absolutely. So I'll be getting the text or the phone call right away. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have played a game. We're going to play now and then, and we're going to stick with your school, your college. It was your pick, and I think it's a great one. So Eastern Illinois University baseball program, who are your favorite players now and your favorite player of all time from Eastern Illinois?
1: Okay, so past would have to be Dane Topple. He still lives on on campus. I see him quite frequently, he's one of my buddies. And then also Trey Sweeney, he's pretty cool. I've hung out with him a time or two at the baseball house. Currently, I can't really say anyone specifically because I see them on a day-to-day basis. Dylan Drumkey, he's, he's one of my favorite guys. Ryan Ignafo, I like all of them. I can't say I dislike anyone, especially since I'm gonna see them literally in like an hour, or so. <laughs> You're like,
0: I can't pick anybody out because then they're gonna beat me up and put me in a locker. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you said Sweeney, he was drafted by the Yankees? Yeah, last year in the first round. Oh, that's awesome. Very good for yeah. him. Is he
1: is he in the farm system? Yeah, he's on their, I believe their double A team that plays down in Tampa, or their single A team. That's fantastic. Awesome, man.
0: Well, it seems like you got some good networking going on. You're doing things that you want to do in a sport that... You're obviously, you know, it's a passion. You, you like it. You want to be involved with it. Seems like you're making some right moves, some internships with some great teams, great college. So congrats, man, and thanks for sharing all that with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hello, Mendota. Resolve to make stronger connections with Surf Fiber Internet. Right now, get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers with Gig Speed. And with all speed plans, you can add on a home phone for just $10 a month. Unlike the other guys, there's no contracts, hidden fees, or annual rate increases ever. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Edge of your seat podcast. Always tries to keep it interesting here. We got a... Crazy, amazing, interesting guest. Known from a couple different walks of life. So we got some stories to talk about. Lucas Burris, LaSalle Peru, alum, the voice of the Pistol Shrimp, now in an admin role. I'm going to call it an admin role. And calls games for Hall Football. Football on the Wolf 96.5. You wear a lot of hats, my friend.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, exactly what my bosses would say as well when I got promoted is you wear a lot of hats. Let's just give you a title that looks out and can just cover every hat that you get so I think I'm used to that uh, that understanding of lots of hats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you have extra hat shelves built just because of this?
2: You know I keep my hats tucked away and I'm, pre- I'm not a hat presenter so you know but I do have lots there's lots around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotcha gotcha we'll kind of start from the blueprint work of your work and that's at LP high school what year did you graduate?
2: I am a 2018 grad. I'm still young. I'm just out of college in the spring, so I graduated south Peru in 2018.
0: Gotcha. And did you play sports? Because for some odd reason, I remembered your name, but it might have been yep. from this kind of deal as well. No, I, I did play sports. I was four years of uh, baseball at LP,
2: four years of wrestling, and uh, a year of football. I played football my freshman year, and then uh, four years of baseball and wrestling. So most people recognize my name from uh, my high school wrestling season.
0: I was going to say wrestling because now I remember the sectionals and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, now I remember. That's where I originally knew you from.
2: Yep, yep. Yeah, that's how I, I introduced myself to a lot of local reporters and people in the area. Of like, I think you covered me in high school wrestling. That's usually how that conversation starts.
0: And then all of us old goons are like, yep, that's where it happened. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And where'd you go to college after LP?
2: I went to North Central uh, in Naperville, I went up there to wrestle, so that's what I, uh, I went up to North Central, and I was a part of that wrestling program for four years, so that was uh, really where I, I got my start, so North Central is a lot of, you know, we'll all draw back to, it's where I was introduced to radio, spent four years in their radio program, four years in the wrestling program, uh, four years calling sports up there, so that's where really all got started, uh, one of the best radio programs in the country, so North Central College in Naperville.
0: Awesome. What got you into radio, you know, initially? Was it just, you know, you listened to it, you like to call games, or what piqued your interest?
2: I went to college because I knew I wanted to do it. So, throughout high school, you know, you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Uh, and North Central was on my map for a very long time as a uh, sports school and as a radio school. Uh, and then I got to wrestle there, and it was like, all right, this is going to work out really well. I'm not going to go too far. I didn't want to go too far. Uh, I really liked Naperville, so I spent four years there, and that's the reason I went is they had uh, the national the college radio station in the country, so every year there's a award ceremony in New York for every college radio station, and a few years before I went there, uh, North Central won that as the best college radio station in the country, so I said, well, that seems like a good place for me to get into radio. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay connected to sports uh, in some variety. I always like to call it baseball, you know, it's my first love. Uh, watching baseball games. So that was pretty much, I went to North Central to see if I could do it. Uh, I think it worked
0: out. Awesome. It's kind of cool when you're in high school and you kind of already got an idea of what you want to do. I understand, you know, you can change your mind and there's all so many different kind of fields and things like that. But I was kind of like you with journalism. I knew what I was doing as a junior and just kept going. Sounds like you kind of did the same thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to go to North Central For I had zero... Radio zero play calling experience going into North Central. That was, you know, it's not something you do. I didn't do anything even adjacent to that uh, at LP. I mean, there was the LP doesn't have too many programs like that in general, so I just was a normal LP graduate and I decided, you know, I'm going to try my hand at this. This is what I want to do. So, Neighborville and North Central had one of the only uh, broadcast communication degrees. That was a big thing as well. It was simple to be like, I'm going to go into broadcasting, I'm going to do a degree in broadcast communication. So that was really the reason I chose it there, and they actually got rid of it uh, two years in. So they no longer have that program as well. It's now a media and journalism thing. Not many places have uh, broadcast journalism, and I was one of two people uh, to graduate my senior year. With that degree, a lot of people switched. So uh, I can write down as one of the last people to ever get a broadcast communication degree from a very famous program in Naperville.
0: Wow. I did not know that they got rid of it and to be one of the last. That's kind of cool.
2: Yes, it still exists. Every, all the framework's still there. We like to make things a little more complicated. If anyone's familiar with college, you'll know how that works. Is Everything's not as simple as it probably should be. And in April, they decided, well, if you want to be a journalist and you want to talk, you're going to have similar things. Let's just combine them. So now if you want to be a journalism major if you want to be a broadcast major, you just get one major called media and journalism.
0: So it might be an easier thing even for students, maybe, if it's all put together.
2: If you like them both, is what I'll say. I don't like the, the media journalism side of things. I was never a writer, so I'm glad that I didn't have to do all that stuff. But there's a lot of my peers who are younger than me who have to go through all those somewhat intense writing courses that I didn't have to go through. So it's not that bad in terms of how I feel about it. I would brag about it because some of my younger uh, friends would be like, um, I have this class. And I was like, I never would take that. I cannot help you. But if you ever need the radio... We're talking help, I'm here, but I it was like, I'm glad I wasn't in the that portion of the major, but it definitely makes them a little more skilled uh, in that aspect as well.
0: Yeah, because I was thinking like now just to be a print journalist, which I did for uh, I'm going to say like 12, 13 years before spreading my wings and doing a little bit of everything all at the same time. But it's hard to make a living just doing that. You kind of almost have to be well-rounded and be able to do all kinds of media if that's all you want to do without having to have a small part-time job or doing something on the side.
2: That's how they look at it as well. And of course, like that's how that program taught me as well. I still have to take those classes. Uh, somewhat, but I didn't have to go through all of like the the very specific niche journalism that they had to go through. I just had to take like two journalism classes, and I was definitely better for it. I mean, I think uh, if you ask uh, my bosses or anyone, it's I can do that stuff. But I pride myself in being able to do that stuff. But did I want to? Probably not.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Let's go to the Pistol Shrimp. I mean, you've been there two years now.
2: Yeah, but I got hired with the Pistol Shrimp uh, the week after they showed up in the valley. Uh, in the winter of 2020
0: prospect league baseball and it's been a real success for the illinois valley and especially the peru area playing at veterans park i mean had to be kind of cool to be part of the initial season and to still be there that's got to be a another mark on your resume uh
2: yeah i mean with the pistol ship that was the big thing for me was when they showed up i was really excited you know, just to be a part of that, that was what I wanted to do. They showed up, but I was like, I, I want to do this. Let's see you do it. I got hired uh, quickly. I, I immediately sent them my resume. I was immediately connected uh, with Junior John, uh, who run the Pistol Shrimp, June Keeley, and John Giacomik, uh owner and general manager of those two. And, you know, I had a really good relationship with those two. And just two years of, you know, having pride in an Illinois Valley baseball team, I think that's the big thing as well as you know, some people look at that and, they look at the pistol shrimp in a certain way, but like I always wanted a baseball team to come to the Illinois Valley. I'm an Illinois Valley native, born and raised in Oglesby, went to LP, family still lives here. So really, um, I, I have a lot of pride in what the pistol shrimp do and what they're doing in the Illinois Valley.
0: And we can go back a little bit to when you first got hired, and you know your responsibilities and what you got now. But having a first round draft pick in the MLB with the Chicago White Sox picking up the pitcher, I mean that's uh, uh, that's huge. That's super huge.
2: Yeah, I mean, Noah Schultz was a big uh, a big get when we knew he was coming to town uh, in the summer of this year, you know. Uh, we knew what we were getting. We knew the hype surrounding Noah. Uh, we spent a lot of the time, you know, talking to him. But uh, at the end of the day, Noah was just another kid on the team, and I think that was really exciting. He's one of the best personalities uh, you'll meet. And it was really exciting to watch him pitch. What ended up being six games uh, with the Pistol Shrimp, with all the scouts in attendance and all that fun stuff. But it really put a good uh, mark on us and the prospect league as well of kind of the talent pool that that league's getting right now. It's a premier college league. Uh, I think the fans of the Illinois Valley definitely saw that this year, the type of talent that we brought out. I mean, there was 15 total draft picks in the prospect league. We had three of them ourselves, two from our current team, and, of course, Schultz going number one overall. The year before, uh, a Lafayette Aviator, former Lafayette Aviator, went to the first round of the Yankees. Uh, So it's back-to-back years that the league has seen a first-round pick of former or current players. So really, the talent pool's huge, but in terms of the Pistol Shrimp, I mean, that just shows uh, the type of work that John and his coaching staff is doing and kind of the organizational standpoint uh, of how good certain these players are uh, and how much better they can be uh, playing a season in the Illinois Valley.
0: And the attendance, even though it's still free tickets at the moment and who knows when that changes, but the attendance, every single game I go to, I'm mesmerized or, you know, blown away by it, but it seems like the crowds every single game are pretty solid for a prospect league baseball team and in this area where it's hard to get people to go routinely to something, and people are.
2: Yeah, I think that we pride ourselves in the fan base we've already been. Uh, I think that's really huge for us. We used to be page at Lyle at Benedictine University. Our attendance was a lot lower there. Uh, that was before I showed up with the pistol shift. That was 2019, of course, 2020. Due to COVID. So 2021 was kind of a reset for a lot of the prospect league, including us, uh, and really found a nice place here for us in the Illinois Valley. Uh, we had almost 20,000 total fans show out to us. Uh, we had about 700 fans per game. We topped out around 1,800 uh, for two games this year. So really some big fan bases coming out. We really love the support of the Illinois Valley. And I think y- you've heard it from a lot of the players as well, or maybe you haven't, but uh, what the fans know that, that really a lot of the players. From both teams, ours and away and teams, just love the Illinois Valley crowd, how much they're into it, how excited they are, how excited they can be, and how loud they can be. It's not something you always see uh, in terms of a prospect league team. You see a lot of casual fans, uh, but what we came to learn with the Illinois Valley, and I think I was able to tell my the rest of the Pistol Shrimp to, to expect that as well, as. The fans are interested. You can talk to a lot of people who are fans of the Pistol Shrimp, but they're not just "oh, the Pistol Shrimp are cool." Like they're a fan of the Pistol Shrimp. They're, they're seeing that fandom grill and I think that's really exciting to see.
0: Yeah, I talked to a couple people the last game I was at, and they were telling me stats. They were telling me where these players were from. They were telling me all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, "Are you with the team?" And I'm like, "We just come to the games." I'm like, "That's absolutely amazing."
2: We're not near the top of the league in, in any regard. Uh, we just had this past year two teams joined who used to be uh, affiliated. They were Class A teams in Iowa, the Burlington Bees and the Lumber Kings. The Lumber Kings really had a great year in the prospect league. They had 80,000 uh, fans come out total. They averaged about uh, 2,500 per game, a little over that as well. Burlington had around 30. We had some other teams around the 60 and 50 area. So really that's actually, to be honest, where we expect we can get a little higher as well uh, in terms of fans coming out because Clinton Burlington, very similar numbers too in terms of how many people live uh, in the Illinois Valley compared to how many people live in those communities as well. So really, um, you can have big, huge attendance and really nice stadiums in the Prospect League. And I mean, that's why it's a premier league of 16 teams that are really preparing uh, these college kids for the future of minor league baseball.
0: Most definitely. When you first started with the team, what were your duties then, and how have they kind of expanded to where, like, hey, we're just going to give this dude a master title because he does everything?
2: Well, so when I came uh, to the team when I was hired in 2020, I was just hired as a play-by-play voice. That's what I was going to do. I was still in college. I was a college junior at the time, so I would be going into the first summer with the shrimp. Last summer I graduated, but I was out of college, but I was still part-time. So I was originally hired part-time, just like most of our workers are just as a play-by-play voice. That quickly changed. In about a month's time, I was doing a lot more. I was doing, uh, my second title was Director of Communication and Media, which was officially awarded me after my first season. But I was doing a lot of that stuff originally. But, I, I mean, just right off the bat, my duties with the Pistol Shrimp were calling games, preparing, and setting up our radio and TV broadcasts. Those were my original duties. I was not supposed to be doing anything else. I was just supposed to be getting us prepared to be able to call games on the radio and TV and then calling those games. Uh, and it changed a lot uh, as my time went on.
0: How did it change? What are some things that got added or how did it morph?
2: Well, <laughs> simply I, was, I went from that's still my title. I'm still the voice of the pistol Shrimp. Now. I'll never relinquish that. That is, that is mine. Uh, I, I love that. That's the best part of what I'm doing. I'm here because I, I love calling the games on radio and TV. So that first summer, Uh, I was doing uh, director of communication media. So that one's, I got to go back into the memory bank for that one. So that was, I was doing small stuff. I started getting in with sponsorships. I had a few sponsors there as well. Um, I was doing more, some of the fan entertainment side of things. I was writing our PA scripts a little bit. I was doing a lot of our department of communication media is all, everything that goes on our social media, everything that goes on our website, um, press releases, And then um, that department is our me, the play-by-play announcer, our color commentator, our official scorekeeper, uh, our PA announcer, and then our on-field entertainment. So that's really my first year. I was mostly in charge of, or supervising was the term we used at the time, Um, that department, just making sure everything went well, so everything you see at the field from the PA system to the Scoreboard to what's happening uh, across the system, So, let's be games happening on the field, fan entertainment, stuff like that. So, that was year one. I had a little bit of a hand in that, not too much. I was a I was a big voice in that, but I wasn't making all of those final decisions. This past year uh, for 2022, I officially got the title of Director of Communication and Media. So, I came into that season uh, doing all of that. I was doing sponsorships as well. I was you know meeting with sponsors, making sure that they. Uh, we're getting what they want, you know, making sure the community is involved, and then I was doing pretty much anything you can think of in terms of operations and fan entertainment. So everything that goes into any game from the broadcast, radio, uh, PA, stats, what you see on our website, everything, we we uh, rolled out a brand new app, we rolled out a brand new website, we rolled out a brand new PA system, uh, we rolled out new fan entertainment and how that goes, we rolled out some new games there, so... I was doing graphics as well, so mostly any graphics you see on our social media, any of these really cool outfield signs that you see, some are done by uh, the sponsors, but a lot of them are done by us. They're designed in our poster, our pocket schedules, anything in that sense I had a hand in designing graphically uh, or just being a part of the creative process.
0: So like you said, started doing (laughs) a lot real fast.
2: Yeah, and then the assistant general manager title is now I'm doing anything and everything crystal shrimp related. So June Keeley is my boss. She's the general manager of the shrimp uh, since its inception in 2019. John Jackamick uh, is our owner. John uh, is a Michigan native from California. He's just a baseball lifer. That's about it. He's our manager too. So like if you'll see John every every day. That's all he does is he's a baseball man and he loves what he does. And June loves what she does as well. So now me and June. Uh, Work hand hand-in-hand in everything you can think of for Crystal Shrimp Baseball. So I have a hand in anything and everything that happens. I have talked about it with June, and me and June have done our brainchild and tried to figure out exactly for this past season and what's going to happen in 2023.
0: Shout-out to John. He has been on the podcast before, friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. And I know June pretty well. We spoke a bunch of times. i got to have her on here eventually. Yeah,
2: June loves a podcast, and she has because she has her media background. She's done a morning show with Jamie on 96.5, so she is very well-versed in the media side of things. She spent her time. She's done uh, everything that she can do to talk well and and be a media presence in the LA Valley.
0: Awesome, and she does a really, really amazing job with the Pistol Shrimp.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything and everything that you have seen uh, for the past two years is a big shout-out to Jim Keely, and that's what I always say. When I'm doing anything like that, it's a big, Thank you to John and June you know, for believing in me as well to be able to bring uh, this exciting stuff to the Illinois Valley as well because it's just been a wild ride, but it's been so much fun. But, I mean, if you ever see June out and about just, and you love the pistol show, just say thank you because she is putting in all the hard work the past two years and continuing to do so because uh, it is not easy uh, to do what we do and be able to send out a baseball team for 60 games every summer uh, and then make sure everything's going well. Uh, in the nine months outside of the season
0: no doubt let's transition you said you know baseball's a first love like you love baseball you love yep. being able to call baseball games now you get contacted by wlpo aka starved rock country and they put you on the wolf 96.5 doing football games for hall football how has that been so far
2: that's been very fun. So the football background for me uh, stems from North Central. You know, I played a year of football at LP, like I said. I was a youth football player. I have an extensive background, but I, I stopped playing football at LP to focus uh, on the other two sports, wrestling and baseball, which uh, you know I really enjoyed actually participating in. But I, I love football. Uh, for the Illinois Valley people listening, I'm a Packer fan, so, you know, I'm not, I don't have to watch bad football usually. Now, as of late, it's been different, but I haven't had to grow up on the Bears. I have a love of football uh, as well. And at North Central, they were able to do some really exciting things uh, like call a national championship game this past year for North Central. who was been bit of a national championship uh, the past two years. Uh, and that Alice played at Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. So I'd love to tell the story of that of our local North Central radio station heading to Canton, Ohio, and calling that game on the radio. Where to my right in the broadcast booth, a beautiful Canton, Ohio, and Hall of Fame Stadium, state of the art, brand new facility out there in Canton, Ohio. But to my right in the press box uh, is ESPN doing the TV broadcast, and to my left is Fox Sports doing the radio broadcast. And there we were, right in the middle. Good old WONC at uh, North Central, calling a national championship game as well. So football, uh, I definitely have a a lot of familiar uh, feels with. And Hall football has been super fun because I get to call uh, a really historic program uh, in Spring Valley Hall and get to see an exciting year uh, this year as well.
0: Hall wasn't predicted to do much. Randy Tiemann comes in for his second stint, changes the environment, the team, almost immediately. Now they sit at 4-4 four and four and are going to try their hardest to get into the playoffs. And you've been able to see the roller coaster every single week and the amazing player in Mac Rosetich, who is also a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast.
2: Yeah, I know you just had those two on here recently, uh, Randy and Mac, but uh, I think from my perspective, and I'm sure that as well, is – a lot of people at the start of the year, I think uh, the Friday night drive and news trip and all that stuff, you had the Hall projected like 2-7, and 1-8 and eight again, something like that. And that did not feel right at the end of the season. I, you know, covering this team, knew what this team was going to be. Uh, I didn't have those type of expectations. Uh, and then week one rolled around, and it was tough uh, in terms of you know what Hall rolled out. Just not everything was uh, clicking like it should have been at the time. But it really turned around quickly, and I think it has a lot to do uh, with those two players. Like you said, Randy Teevan is a fantastic football coach. I talk to him every week. You can hear that um, on the pregame show for that as well. I have a conversation with Randy every weekend. He's just a fantastic football coach. He really, really enjoys what he's doing, and he really loves uh, watching those players you just grow week to week and get better. But you knew, if you know Hall football and Randy Teevan, you knew this team was not going to be a bad football team. And I personally believe, that even though this team's a four and fourteen right now, uh, they should make the playoffs. I have all hope that they'll beat Vero Valley on Friday, uh, heading to the playoffs at four and five as a dangerous or a five and four I should say. A dangerous five and fourteen. But this team could have easily finished uh, finish the season seven and two, uh, the way they have played football and the way ahead. they have lost some close games as well.
0: And it is amazing watching Macrosetic play. I was just talking to Kevin Clone, the news tribune sports editor a couple days ago, and we were talking about Matt Krasetich, Tegan Davis, John Brady at St. Bede had his name in the hat for, you know, player of the year. And, man, it is a really tough race, but Matt Kersetich, the way that he makes it look, maybe putting him, you know, inching himself ahead of those, even though me being the Princeton play-by-play, watching Tegan Davis every week and what he can do, you know, it's hard for me to put one above the other.
2: I, I want to say there's every bias here, but if you look at the stats, I think it's clear uh, who should be the player of the year in terms of football as well. I think Mac has gone above and beyond. He has broke all of Hall's records right now. He has all the single-game records and all the career and single-season records at this point as well. He is just absolutely uh, blowing some record books out of the water right now. Uh, he is having a dominant statistical season. But what I always drive a run back to when they want to bring up Mac and how good he's this year is, one, just the tangibles. He absolutely understands uh, how to play football. I think he has the best football IQ uh, of anyone I've seen this year. But honestly, having played Princeton this year, having played um, in Dota this year with Childs, who's been really good. We just played St. B Brady. Really, really good as well. I fully believe in my heart of hearts and from a statistical standpoint, from just the eye view, I think Matt Russetis has been the best football player I've seen step on the field uh, this season uh, in terms of everyone in the area. I think Princeton has a better football team. I think that shows. But I think in terms of best just individual player, I think that, that is Mac percentage. I think he just absolutely dominates on the football field.
0: I'm trying to decide if I should argue, agree, or just plead the fifth. Like I got <laughs> you, you, in my mind I probably, got arguments for all three of my decisions here. Yeah.
2: You should probably plead the fifth, given, you know, who you're covering in Princeton as well. I think Tegan Davis is really, really good. I think Brady is really, really good as well. You know, all really good players, but I just think from my perspective you know, covering all football, having seen all three play, I think if you put Matt Grusetich on Princeton, he's just as dominant as night even more. And I think the same can be said for Davis or Brady. If you put them at all, they're going to be really good as well. But I just think if you lined them all up and you test them out, I think Mac's going to be the better of the three.
0: Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I strong stand to that point. I want to make that. You can talk. Jason Eustace calls, calls all football with me as color. And he's a pistol shrimp color commentator as well. And I think it was week two where I said on the broadcast, I was like, I think at the end of the year, I'm going to say this. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to stand firm that Matt is the best football player I've seen this season. And With a week left, I have no doubt in my mind that that is true.
0: Okay, okay. I like, I like the strong stance. You're like, hey, I'm not wavering here. I said it week two, and this is what I think. Yep. yep. I like it. I like it. I have had a blast doing play-by-play for Princeton, but you've had some more interesting games because my games are fifty to nothing at halftime.
2: Yeah, I would say that I. Uh, we talked about that when we played each other as well. You have a very exciting game in terms of Princeton because they keep winning and they keep winning by a lot. And I think you're going to have a very fun playoffs. I think that's where you can come in, and you're going to be you're going to be really fun for the playoffs because it looks like Princeton's going to get that number one overall seed. Uh, as well in that bracket, and that looks really exciting for what you're going to eventually see in the playoffs. But in terms of the regular season, I've definitely had uh, a real exciting season because the only games that haven't been close for Hall this year was the Princeton loss, where they end up putting 20 on Princeton. No offense, but nobody really does that. Shout out to Matt for that one as well. And the opening loss to Orion, where they the Orion uh, scored 21 points in about three minutes combined at the end of the first half and the start of the second half, otherwise that game, uh, would have been close as well. So really I've seen some really exciting stuff. I saw a Mendota shootout. That was just the most ridiculous game I've ever seen that sixty six to forty five game. No I've seen defense. Some tight losses and I've seen some close wins as well.
0: Yeah, you've gotten like the gambit of like everything awesome about football. That Mendota game was crazy. The Newman loss last second, that was yep. crazy. There's been, you know, nothing but uh excitement for all football fans.
2: Yeah, I think their most well-played game was actually this past year, this past week as well, against St. Pete. That was their most uh, well-rounded game for that whole football team. Uh, they really showed out uh, against St. Pete last week. But really, uh, some tough losses as well. Like that that Sterling Newman game, a real tough loss. That loss in overtime to Morgan, a really tough loss. But other than that, some exciting wins, close games, two scores, one score. I don't know how many times I've said this year, uh, there goes Matt Grosetich down the sideline, and he's gone. I just, so many times we've seen at least six 50-plus yard touchdown runs from him this year.
0: Yeah, it's been pretty impressive, no doubt. And that St. Bede game, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. I mean, everybody's, oh, St. Bede, only one loss, it was to Princeton. You know, they got this in the bag. And then I'm looking at the scores as I'm calling the Princeton game, and I'm like, Hall is winning this, and pretty handedly.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a Saturday night contest between those two. So that was just a primetime football, is what I'll call it. It was some packed stands. It was a cold night, one of the coldest nights that we've had all year in terms of football. Uh, And that was just a well-played game by Hall. They had that game in their hand the entire time. They didn't dominate that game. It was a close game between the two, but they controlled that game. Uh, It was just really exciting to watch in terms of a team. And I talked to Coach Teeman about this as well. They started the playoffs uh, against St. Pete last week. I mean, that is just the bottom line. They had to win two straight. They already got one. If they beat Bureau Valley on on Friday, they'll have two, and they'll be in the playoffs. Uh, If they hit five wins, they'll be in. They have enough points uh, to get in at five and four. So they started the playoffs against St. Pete, and they really showed out uh, last uh, Saturday.
0: Yeah, it was like last week. Saturday was a playoff game, and I was not covering Princeton on Saturday. That was Friday, but I was actually in Princeton, so my you know yeah. mind kind of just jolted a little bit. But I was at <laughs> Prime kidding. Quarter, hung out with some friends in Princeton, and we we're paint attention to the game, watching Twitter and stuff, and everybody I was with was like, man, good for Hall. Crazy that St. Bede is, you know, this is happening. Like we've said, you know, over and over again, you have a dynamic player, you have a great coach, put them together, everybody buys into the program, and you can do anything.
2: Yeah, and of course, uh, Hall moved up as well. They're now 4A uh, in terms of school as well, so they're ahead of Princeton uh, with, you know, PC joining this year. So there's a little more influx of, Players uh, at Hall this year as well, uh, and team has done a really good job of just aligning those groups uh, and getting all the potential out of Mack, which he coached when Mack was a freshman, and now uh, as a senior, those two seem to just work really, really well together. But I think the exciting part about the area as well is Princeton's going to make the playoffs, we're going to hope Hall makes the playoffs, and it looks like LP's going to make the playoffs as well. So really, shout out to Rock Media, who's going to have three playoff games next Friday night.
0: Yeah, we're gonna all be on the radio. I thought <laughs> for a second it might just be me, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Actually, yeah. I'm patting the Tigers on the back. But I was like, okay, they're a lock. I didn't know about Hall, and then you know LP with Morris and Sycamore and the t- squads that they had to play. You know, congrats to them too. They're five and three right now, and they're all gonna be in.
2: We got to play one more game. I don't like to, you know, be like we're gonna beat Mural Valley, but I'm confident uh, in that game. For the Red Devils, Uh, yeah, so I think that's really exciting, actually. I was thinking the same thing. Like, oh, I'm just going to get the nine regular season games, and that's going to be it. And I'm really excited for the opportunity to call a tenth game and a playoff game. And the tough part there is it looks like Hall is going to get one of the last seeds. We'll probably have a one. Projections just came out. It looks like we're going to have, I can't remember the team name, but one of the better uh, number one overall seeds in that 4A bracket. Princeton looks like they're going to get the number one. Overall, in the 3A, so I think that's really exciting, and the LP is going to have a, a tough spot as well. But uh, I think Hall definitely has some surprises up their sleeve because, like I said, they're a five and four team when they get to the playoffs. That's not going to play like a five and four team.
0: No doubt, they're going to be a five and four, aka you know eight and one team, sort of kind of.
2: Yeah, I fully believe. You know, if they replayed. Oregon, at this point of their season, they would win. You can't do that. That's not how football works. But they shouldn't have lost to Morrison. They shouldn't have lost to Sterling Newman. I mean, that already puts them at 6-2 and two right now. I think they could have easily finished the year 7-2, 8-1, with just a loss to Princeton. So really, I think it's a dangerous Hall playoff team. And I think that's really exciting as well of how much fun could have in the playoffs. But we just got one more win before I can do some nice... Excited yelling at the end of hopefully a Bureau Valley game where I can tell uh, the Red Devil fans that we've clutched the playoff spot. Uh, which, really, at one point this season, we sat one and three, and really, I think that's how exciting it's come. After week four, we were one and three, and now here we are, uh, four and four, looking uh, down the barrel of the playoff spot.
0: Fun times for everybody, especially at <laughs> Star Rock Media over here. We're all having a good time.
2: Yeah, yeah, shout out John Spencer for, uh, you know, giving us the opportunity as well. I know you're enjoying uh, Princeton. I'm definitely enjoying Hall, uh, and LP's always, you know, always on WLPL.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been working for them now. This has been, well, I did spot appearances when the News Tribune was around because it was all owned by the same umbrella. Yeah. So I had helped out here and there, but probably the last four years I did LP, with uh Jeremy Aiken for three straight this will be my fifth year. So I did L P color with Jeremy for three years. Last year I did L P home games and then Hall Games when I wasn't at L P with Aaron Pelican and then this year doing all Princeton. So yeah, it's been fun time. We get to jump around in different areas, different teams and catch all kinds of cool football. Yeah
2: and you see the the track as well, which is just an excellent football conference. So you get the all the fun stuff of seeing that track at Three Rivers Conference, just enjoyable there. You get to see the same thing. We only crossed over once. That Princeton game was more enjoyable for one of us than the other, but I think, like you said, I've had a very exciting regular season compared to just you saying, uh, and Princeton is up 49 uh, nothing at half. Let's see what we can figure out we're going to talk about in the second half.
0: The second half adjustments from Bex Oil has been the hardest ad read, the hardest thought process, or the easiest because we're like, um, yeah, the second unit has to play tough.
2: Yeah. (laughs) and I think that's the really exciting part about Princeton as well is just how good that second unit has been as well. I think that you've probably had some fun talking about that unit as well.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. They got future, the cupboard when, you know, Teagan Davis and some of the seniors leave, it's not bare. These guys are just going to step up and continue what Princeton's already been doing. Five straight Three River Conference Mississippi Division crowns. That's not easy to do.
2: No, but, you know, all was coming up a tail. You know, that's, you know it's coming. You know, you never know. You can't count out the Red Devils. Not this year. You know, Princeton's already got it. But you got to be watching out And these next years coming. But like you said, it's an exciting time for area football as well. Uh, because some of these teams are just playing some really good football. That's Not not every year you see every uh, team on Starbucks Media making the playoffs. It's not like you know we see every year three games in the playoffs for Hall, four Princeton, uh, and four LP. Uh, Save Deeds really good as well. Um, only three wins this year, but Childs has been really, really good as well. So some, just some local teams. Ottawa Marquette as well. Let's not forget Ottawa and over there. They're still part of the Illinois Valley. Just some really good football uh, being played in the Valley this year.
0: And it keeps us busy. You're very busy. I can let you go. You got many hats, and I don't want to take one of them off to make you like an edge of your seat podcast co-host because we're almost getting there.
2: No, no, no. I, uh, I, I got definitely a, a busy enough schedule right now. But uh, I got my own podcast to worry about in the in the in spring, fall, what summer? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> when do I do that? Don't forget about the Shrimply Good podcast. There you got a podcast under my name. I think. Uh, The interesting part about this right here is I'm usually on your side of the table, so I think it's kind of been nice uh, for this past half hour or so to just be like, all right, let's work. You know, (laughs) this is nice. I get to answer the questions this time around.
0: It is pretty cool. Jim Trevaney, LP basketball coach, one time hit me up. He's like, hey, I want to do a podcast with you, but I want to ask you the
2: questions. And I was kind of like baffled, like, how does that work? I think people will get a taste of what we do and think, you know, that sounds really fun, but... uh, I have enjoyed the other side, getting a perspective of what it's like to, to be asked the questions. So I think it's been nice.
0: Awesome. Well, it has been nice having you on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. You and I will run into each other quite a few times. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Yep, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.